0: Today's reading is Psalm 45, which you will find on page 569 in the Church Bibles. For the director of music, to the tune of the lilies, of the sons of Korah, a a wedding song. My heart is stirred by a noble theme. As I recite my verses for the king, my tongue is the pen of a skilful writer. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace, since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your side, O mighty one, clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously on behalf behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness. Let your right hand display awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A sceptre of justice will be the sceptre of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From the palaces adorned with ivory, the music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters of kings are among your honored women. At your right hand is the royal bride in the gold of Ophir. Listen, O daughter, consider and give ear. Forget your people and your father's house. The king is enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your lord. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. Men of wealth will seek your favor. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow you and are brought to you. They are led in with joy and gladness. They enter the palace of the king. Your sons will take take the place of your fathers you will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore the kings will praise you forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: As we start, I wanted to say that I chose this psalm before we heard the news of the Queen's death on Thursday, but we decided that it is still an appropriate passage to look at today, given that it speaks of a good and righteous monarch and that it ultimately points us to the king of kings whom our queen served. I guess the last few days have prompted much reflection on what we want in our rulers. We've been reminded of what we admired about Queen Elizabeth and we've wondered what kind of king Charles will be. Psalm 45 describes a king as good as we could ever hope for. It was written for a much happier occasion than the one we find ourselves in uh, today. Uh, The superscription, that bit before verse 1, which is actually in the original Hebrew uh, collection of psalms, uh, it tells us that this is a wedding song, uh, or a song of love. Now, I'm no poet, but There is something about weddings, isn't there, uh, that can make the heart swell. Uh, Especially when the couple are uh, people that you are close to, you find yourself swept up uh, in their joy. Uh, Maybe you've had a a wedding this summer or recently where you've experienced that. Well, a king in Israel is getting married, uh, and this psalmist cannot keep it in His words of praise for his king tumble out of him into this wonderful song. There are, of course, uh, two people in a marriage, uh, and this psalmist spends time uh, on both the king uh, and his brides. So that's how we're going to spend our time. We're going to first look in verses 2 to 9 at God's true king. Uh, And then in verses 10 to 15, uh, we're going to see the king's bride... Uh, and then we'll uh, conclude with the final two verses. So first of all, God's true king, uh, verses 2 to 9. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace, since God has blessed you forever. What is it about this king that the psalmist can't uh, contain his praise? Well, the first thing that strikes him is this king's presence. He is more handsome than any other, but more than thats that, it is the king's words which are excellent. When this king speaks, people listen. And the words that come from his lips are not uh, the angry rants of a tyrant, but they're words full of grace. And that's not just because Uh, He went to a good school uh, or had the best tutors. We're told that it is from God's blessing that he looks uh, and speaks as he does. We might be reminded at this point of uh, King Solomon, who asks for nothing but wisdom from God and is therefore able to answer every one of the Queen of Sheba's questions when she comes to him, having heard of how wise he is. The psalmist goes on, gird your sword upon your side, O mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. It might be at this point that things get a little bit less relatable. Uh, The psalmist is praising uh, a warrior king. But of course, defending his nation in war was a, a key role for the leaders of Israel three and a half thousand years ago. And if we look closely, there is uh, more for us to admire in the 21st century uh, than might appear. Notice why it is that he rides forth in victory. It's not for his own ego. It's not to terrorize other races or to expand his borders. It's not to distract from problems at home and shore up support for his rule. No, it is, is first for on behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness that he fights. His enemies are true enemies of God and his people. So the king defends those who cannot defend themselves. He puts on his gleaming armor, straps on his magnificent sword, and rides out to show evil that it cannot win. And finally, the psalmist speaks of the excellent king's excellent court and rule. Verse 6, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy appointed by God as his king in Israel. This model king reflects God's characteristics so much that the songwriter can call him God. The promise of a throne that lasts forever that was given to to David is now repeated to his descendant. His scepter that signifies rule is a scepter of justice. See, this is no despot lining his cronies' pockets or weak leader who has to tie a blind eye to corruption. Here, under the king's rule, justice is done every day and in everything. Just imagine for a moment what it would be like to live under this king. No danger of crimes going unpunished. No fear of miscarriage of justice that we see all too often. Peace and security at all times under this king. And because this king does indeed rule as God rules, his court is blessed by God. His palace is is the fairy tale come true. There's ivory and gold and perfume and music His influence extends uh, across the world uh, as daughters of kings come to find favor. And everything around him is filled with joy. What a king this is. You might have noticed that I haven't said who this king is yet. That's because we don't actually know. We're told this psalm is written for the wedding of a king of Israel but we're not told which king or, indeed, who the bride is. But perhaps that's a good thing, because, after all, who could live up to this? King David had much of the grace described here. Solomon, certainly the splendor. But no king of Israel, if we continued the story past their wedding day, would deserve this unconditional praise, would they? All except for one man. One who was born without any splendor or majesty. Who rode on a, a donkey and not a warhorse. Who ruled over precisely zero land. And yet one who, from the moment he started teaching, Luke records that all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Who at his most humble moment, dying on a cross, was in fact fighting the greatest enemy that humankind faces, at death, and who in rising again showed his victory over it. And one who now reigns as God's true king forever, justice, and righteousness itself. The writer to the Hebrews opens his letter by showing just how amazing Jesus is, more amazing even than angels. And he quotes from this psalm uh, in chapter 1 and verse 8. But about the sun, God says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. Jesus really is God, not just his representative. And so these words become not just poetry and images, but real and concrete. His is the throne that will last forever. And his is the kingdom of perfect justice. You see, this king of Psalm 45 is our king, the writer of the Hebrews says. We will look in vain for a mortal man who fulfills these words. But all the blessing that living under a king like this will bring really is offered by King Jesus. This psalm was written about a real king of Israel, whoever it was. But as the psalmist's heart was stirred, he wrote about someone else too. God's true king, our king, Jesus. And I hope it stirs your heart too. Well, this is a, a wedding, so it's about time we looked at the bride. So, second, the king's bride in verses 10 to 15. As the psalmist turns his view to, the bride, his tone changes slightly. It's almost like we're listening in uh, to one of the wedding speeches, uh, the father passing on advice uh, as he gives his daughter to be married. The king is still in view, how could he not be? Uh, but the bride is instructed in the right response to his grace and splendor. Listen, O oh daughter, consider and give ear. Forget your people and your father's house. The king is enthralled by your beauty. Honour him, for he is your Lord. Marriage has always meant leaving behind an old life and starting a new one, hasn't it? And that is even more so for someone marrying into a royal family. It seems like this bride might be from a different country, not Israel. Uh, And so her wedding day means not just moving out uh, of the family home, saying goodbye uh, to her parents and her family, but for her it means changing allegiances completely. And so uh, this psalmist urges her not to look back, but to commit herself wholeheartedly to her new life. The king has chosen her, And now she must honour him as both her husband and her king. It's not an easy thing to go through such change and not waver. But there is much blessing waiting for her if she does. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her and are brought to you. They are led in with joy and gladness. They enter the palace of the king. Just imagine uh, the photo album that would result from this wedding. The, the swarms of well-wishers trying to get a glimpse, uh, offering their gifts, uh, just anything to be a part of this amazing day. The princess uh, getting ready with her bridesmaids, Uh, Gold catching the eye in every photo, uh, light streaming everywhere. The procession that takes her from her chambers uh, to the king, uh, stunning flowers at every turn. The joy of the bride and uh, the bridegroom as they see each other for the first time. And the rich feast and the party that goes on all night as everyone shares Uh, the happy couple's joy. It is an amazing wedding. And it points us to an even greater one. If the king in Psalm 45 describes uh, a little of Jesus Christ, then the bride can only lead us to think of the church. In Revelation chapter 19, as John's vision brings him to the celebration of God's defeat of his enemies, we read of another wedding with a familiar-looking bride. Then I heard, John says, what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like the loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. This is what God's true king offers his bride. Blessing beyond imagining. Everyone who honours him, anyone who leaves their old life and recognises him as Lord and King will receive all this joy we're promised. The Church of England Marriage Service uh, introduces the vows, uh, saying that no one should enter into marriage lightly or selfishly. Uh, And Jesus makes no secret of how radical a change uh, following him will be. It requires abandoning our old way of life, to live for someone else, not just at once, but every day. But with a king like the one we've seen, and this wedding feast of unmeasured joy to look forward to, it is well worth it. God's true king, gracious victorious and just. And the king's bride committed to her king with great joy. Which leaves us with the final two verses. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. See, this blessing of, uh, the blessing of this union between king and bride extends far beyond their wedding day. Their sons will spread the blessings throughout the land, and the psalmist's words, pouring from his inspired heart, preserve this blessing for all people, including us, to praise the king. We may not know who he was originally writing about. Uh, But as the words of Psalm reach us so many years later, both uh, directly in this Psalm, but also echoed throughout the Bible uh, as the great love story between our King, Jesus Christ, and his bride, the church, would we praise that King with the Psalmist forever and ever May our hearts, too, be stirred by this noblest theme. Amen.